Hello. A few weeks ago, we released an episode in which Anusha talked about treatments against neurotoxicity. In this episode, we will focus on synapses and go over treatments for neurotransmission. Keep listening to find out current drug developments in this area. Welcome to Aminder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. Whether you are new here or a regular listener of Aminder, I would like to welcome you to our podcast. My name is Christy. If you recognize my voice, it's because I have previously hosted episodes on neuroimaging studies of structural brain changes in Alzheimer's disease, which I will now refer to as AD. Since this is my first time with this type of episode, I'm excited to be shifting gears a bit from diagnosis tools to therapeutic approaches. For the month of January, we have a total of 19 papers on treatments targeting synaptic transmission. In today's episode, We will cover only nine of them, but don't worry, you can find the other ten in our bibliography. Briefly, I will mention that among the excluded papers, you can read more about repurposed drugs, drug combinations, and phytochemicals. I split today's episode into three categories, beginning with drug screening, followed by new drugs, and then synthesized drugs. Before I get started with the abstracts, I have a quick message. If you think you'd like to contribute to Aminder, please do not hesitate to email us at aminderpodcast@gmail.com. We're a friendly group of scientists and can always use your skills and expertise. If you don't have time to commit but still want to support us because you appreciate our work, we would be really glad if you could leave us a rating and review on the platform that you're using to listen to us now. If the app you are using doesn't have this option, Apple Podcasts or iTunes are a great place to leave a review or rating. In addition to our podcast, we also offer an excellent resource: our bibliographies. Although we are not able to feature all the papers on AD published each month in our episodes, we do create bibliographies categorized by themes, so you can easily find the one that suits your interests. You can find information on how to access this in our show notes or at aminder.com. Just a reminder about the content of the Aminder podcast. We summarize abstracts, but do not share our opinions or assess the quality of the research. We encourage you to use our bibliography to find the papers covered in this episode, and then critically read them. One final message from our team: We are eager to hear from you. We opened up a survey for you to tell us what we are doing well and where we can improve. Until the end of April, you can access the survey at tinyurl.com. Slash Aminder survey and choose to participate in a $15 gift card draw. Without further ado, let's get started. I will introduce this episode with two studies that developed drug screening tools. The first paper is published in Analytica Chimica Acta, entitled "Dextrin-assisted ultrasonic exfoliation of two-dimensional metal organic frameworks to evaluate acetylcholinesterase activity and inhibitor screening." This is from first author Wang, last author Chu at Chufu Normal University in China. Acetylcholinesterase or ACHE inhibitors are a common approach in AD therapeutics. 
To assess drug efficacy, there needs to be an effective way to track ACHE levels. Thus, the authors created an ultra-thin 2D metal organic framework. I will briefly describe how this works. In the presence of ACHE, acetylthiocholine becomes theocholine. As a result, the copper catecholate nanosheets in the metal organic framework have less peroxidase-like activity. However, when there is an ACHE inhibitor, the signal returns to a normal level. Please refer to the paper for more details on the chemical reactions. The authors tested their sensor with ACHE, an existing AD drug like huperzine A, and traditional Chinese herbs that could be potential drugs. From their findings, their strategy with 2D copper catecholate nanosheets is highly sensitive and selective, as well as with higher catalytic activity than the 3D bulk version. Paper number two is titled N-methyl-D-aspartic acid receptor 2A functionalized stationary phase, a reliable method for pursuing potential ligands against Alzheimer's disease from natural products. It was published in CNS Neuroscience and Therapeutics from first author Chen, last author Zhao, at Northwest University in China. This study screens drugs with a different target. You may have heard of the importance of N-methyl-D-aspartic acid, or NMDA, receptors in memory and learning as it binds glutamate. Did you know that this receptor acts differently depending on its subunit? Therefore, the authors thought it would be important for drugs to be able to modify these receptors in a specific way. Here, they wanted to identify NMDA subunit 2A ligands. To achieve this, they expressed epidermal growth factor receptor, or EGFR-tagged NMDA-2A in E. coli. When they introduced an EGFR inhibitor like ibrutinib into the system, NMDA-2A stayed on the surface of many spheres that separated as a stationary phase. Please check the paper for details on the technique used here. The researchers tested NMDA-2A ligands from a plant called Gardenia jasminoides ellis. When they treated cells with reduced NMDA-2A levels, they discovered that crocetin, one of the plant compounds they tested, in particular, led to a reversed effect based on its concentration. This sounds like a handy tool that can be used to quickly find new NMDA-2A ligands from natural products. We just went over two methods to screen potential drug candidates. Next, we will go over papers that discovered specific drugs. From first author de Almeida, last author Botera, paper number three is a collaboration between several universities in Brazil. The title is Identification of a Novel Dual Inhibitor of Acetylcholinesterase and Butyrylcholinesterase in Vitro and in Silico Studies and it was published in Pharmaceuticals. I've already mentioned ACHE inhibitors in treatment development for AD, but another way to boost the cholinergic system is butyrylcholinesterase, or B-U-C-H-E, inhibition. The researchers focused on a previously identified candidate compound, zinc 390718, in a molecular dynamic simulation to check for binding in both enzymes. The compound demonstrated high inhibitory activity against both ACHE with an IC50 of 540 micromolar and BUCHE 
with an IC50 of 240 micromolar. Due to hydrophobic interactions and hydrogen bonds with the catalytic residue sites of both cholinesterases. From a cell viability assay done in a primary astrocyte enriched glial cell culture, the authors found that zinc 390718 showed low cytotoxicity. Taken together, these results suggest that drugs similar to this molecule may be identified as dual cholinesterase inhibitors. Paper number four is by first author Russell, last author Jones at Vanderbilt University in the USA. Published in ACS Chemical Neuroscience, the paper is titled M1-M4 Preferring Muscarinic Cholinergic Receptor Agonist Xanomeline Reverses Wake and Arousal Deficits in Non-Pathologically Aged Mice. Existing FDA-approved treatments targeting the cholinergic system, like ACHE inhibitors, act indirectly. In preclinical models, direct-acting muscarinic cholinergic receptor agonists also have a beneficial effect on cognition. Sleep disturbance may occur in patients with mild cognitive impairments, or AD, and cholinergic neurons in the basal forebrain play a role in the sleep-wake cycle. Therefore, the researchers studied xenomyline, a direct-acting M1-M4 preferring muscarinic cholinergic receptor agonist, on sleep-wake architecture and arousal. They performed experiments in young as well as healthy aged mice, and compared the results to the effects of donepizil, an ACHE inhibitor. When given in the active phase of the circadian cycle, xanomeline reversed wake fragmentation and disruptions in arousal in aged mice, whereas donepizil had no effect. However, when administered during the inactive phase, both drugs increased wake and arousal while reducing the quality and amount of non-REM sleep. Although the abstract doesn't report results for an AD mouse model, the authors suggest that direct-acting muscarinic cholinergic agonists may help with wakefulness and arousal in not only healthy aging, but also patient populations. Paper number five, the only clinical trial covered in this episode, is a collaboration between Boehringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals in the USA and University Hospital Cologne in Germany. The title is Efficacy and Safety of the Novel GLI-T1 Inhibitor BI425809 in Alzheimer's Dementia, a randomized control trial. Written by first author Wunderlich, last author Yesen, this paper is published in Alzheimer's Research and Therapy. NMDA receptor hypofunction is associated with AD. Since glycine is a coagonist at NMDA receptors, one strategy is to increase extracellular glycine in the synaptic clefts. BI425809 is a glycine transporter 1 inhibitor that is currently being tested in clinical studies. In particular, this study is in phase 2, which means efficacy is the primary focus, with safety still being a priority. The sample consisted of 610 patients, around half of them male, with a mean age of 73 years with mild to moderate probable AD dementia. This multi-center, double-blind study ran for 12 weeks, and during this time they received the drug at varying dosages of 2, 5, 10, or 25 mg, or a placebo. The main outcome was the total score of the 11-item cognitive subscale of the AD assessment scale. Around half of the patients had a median score of under 22, 
and half with 22 or above, despite almost half of them having experienced at least one adverse event. BI-425809 was considered to be well-tolerated, as there was no change from baseline after treatment, regardless of the dose. I wonder how the clinical trial will proceed with this information. Now a quick word from our team before we continue with the second half of the papers. Hi, I'm Ellen Rowe, host and co-founder here at Aminder. I've been with the team since the very beginning in 2020, and I really love it because it's an outlet to hone my own science communication skills, and I feel super passionate about the mission of making sure scientists are well-informed about all of the new research being churned out. It's also super rewarding to be a part of a community of like-minded and driven scientists from all career stages. If you're interested in getting involved with our team, we are currently recruiting new hosts and content creators for the show. This is a great opportunity for researchers interested in keeping up to date with the latest Alzheimer's research and getting some science communication experience in the process. If this has piqued your interest, you can reach us at aminderpodcast at gmail.com or through any of our social media platforms, and we'd love to hear a bit about you. Nearly one million older Canadians live with a form of dementia. This number is expected to double within 10 years, and sadly no solutions exist yet to dramatically reduce these numbers. It has to stop. Research can help solve this problem. We are 350 researchers fully dedicated towards preventing and finding a cure to dementia, and to improve care to those living with dementia. We are the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration in Aging. The solution to dementia could be closer than you think. And we're back, switching gears to synthesize drugs for the rest of this episode. Paper number six, published in Journal of Biomolecular Structure and Dynamics, is titled Design, Synthesis, Antiacetylcholinesterase Evaluation, and Molecular Modeling Studies of Novel cumarin chalcone hybrids. It is from first author Hassan, last author Jamalis, at University Technology Malaysia. Prior to the intermission, you've already heard a few studies that target acetylcholinesterase, the ACHE inhibitors that are currently used by 80 patients inevitably come with side effects and may not be very efficacious. In an attempt to combat limitations of current drugs on the market, the authors of this paper designed 14 chalcone coumarin derivatives. Some methods they used to characterize these chemicals include Fourier transform infrared spectroscopy, nuclear magnetic resonance, and high-resolution mass spectrometry. Galantamine acted as the reference drug and had an IC50 of 1.1, with a lower value meaning higher potency. In comparison, the synthesized compounds had an IC50 from 0.2 to 1, and hybrid 8D performed the best here. They bind to three sites of ACHE. In addition, the researchers conducted molecular docking studies on molecular dynamics simulations to further study the most active compound. With the MTT test, the drug showed low cytotoxicity, even at the highest dose of 1 mg per milliliter. Of course, these derivatives haven't been tested in vitro or in vivo yet, but from these reported findings, they seem pretty promising to me. Published in Molecules, paper number 7 is by first author Khan, last author also Khan. The title is Synthesis DFT Studies 
molecular docking and biological activity evaluation of thiazole sulfonamide derivatives as potent Alzheimer's inhibitors. This is a collaboration between universities in Pakistan, Malaysia, and Saudi Arabia. Another group of researchers is aiming to limit the side effects that come with treatments like radiation therapy. They synthesized thiazole-bearing sulfonamide analogs and then characterized them using methods including density functional theory, which is a computational quantum mechanical modeling technique, as well as in silico molecular modeling. For comparison, the authors used donezepil as the reference drug, which had an IC50 of 2.16 for ACHE and 4.5 for BUCHE. One analog in particular was highly potent, with an IC50 of 0.1 for ACHE and 0.2 for BUCHE. The activity of the analogs is dependent on the phenol rings, for example, electron interactions. Again, these compounds are at an early stage of development, but it will be interesting to see if they actually lead to fewer side effects. Written by first author L. Damacy, last author Kume, and published in Pharmaceuticals, paper number 8 is titled Identification of New N-Methylpiperazine Chalcones as Dual MAU-B ACHE Inhibitors. This research was done at multiple Korean universities. I've mentioned cholinesterase activity as a target several times already. This paper investigates dual activity of compounds, along with monoamine oxidase B, or MAU-B inhibition. The researchers made 17 N-methylpiperazine chalcones. Here, they reported not only IC50 values, but also the selectivity index, or SI, which is a ratio between the efficacy and cytotoxicity of the drug. In addition, the inhibition constant, Ki, describes the binding affinity, and a smaller value means it is more potent. From the results of this study, two derivatives stood out. Compound 2K is a 3-trifluoromethyl-4-fluorinated derivative with an IC50 of 0.71 micromolar, SI of 56.34, and KI of 0.21 against MAU-B. Molecular docking studies showed that 2K had the lowest energy for MAU-B. Compound 2N is a 2-fluoro-5-bromophenyl derivative with IC50 of 1.11 micromolar, SI of 16.04, and KI of 0.28 micromolar. Both of these compounds also showed inhibitory activity against ACHE, though with higher IC50 values. From in silico studies, both had low cytotoxicity and good pharmacokinetics. Due to these findings, compounds 2K and 2N may be suitable for further studies in drug development. Last but not least, the title of paper number 9 is Discovery of New, Highly Potent, and Selective Inhibitors of BUCHE, Design, Synthesis, In Vitro, and In Vivo Evaluation and Crystallography Studies. Published in European Journal of Medicinal Chemistry, this paper is by first author Panic, last author Maloska, and is a collaboration between institutions in Poland, France, and Germany. This paper focuses on BUCHE inhibitors. Specifically, the authors look at a compound based on 3-cyclohexylmethyl amino 2-hydroxypropyl, namely R29, 
It has demonstrated high potency with an IC50 of 40 nanomolar against human BUCHE compared to ACHE and other off-targets. Moreover, when tested on human liver microsomes, it showed high metabolic stability. In terms of safety, LC50 was 2.85 micromolar and HERG inhibition, which provides an indication of cardiotoxicity, was less than 50% at 10 micromolar. In in vivo studies using scopolamine-treated mice, R29 given at a dose of 15 mg per kilogram improved cognition in the passive avoidance task. Overall, this compound is a promising candidate for treating AD. And that was all the papers for today's episode, at least the ones I was able to cover. Remember to check the bibliography for the rest of the papers from January 2023 about treatments targeting neurotransmitters. Be sure to check out our other episodes. We cover a range of subtopics in AD research from mechanistic to diagnostic studies. If you liked today's episode, please rate and review our podcast. It really does help us reach out to more listeners like you. I have our team of volunteers to thank for making this episode possible. Starting from our sorting team members who categorize abstracts by topics each month. As a reminder, my name is Christy and I'm the one who summarized the abstracts for you today. Thanks to Ellen K for reviewing my script, Scott for editing the audio, and Anusha for reviewing the final edit. She also composed the music for the podcast. You can find more of her work on YouTube at AK Music or on SoundCloud under her name. Saladin made the bibliography and Lara made the word cloud for today's episode cover art. If one of these roles sounds like something you can imagine yourself doing, consider joining the Aminder team. Email us at aminderpodcast@gmail.com or contact us on social media. Once again, don't forget to complete our listener satisfaction survey. Find the link in our show notes. I hope that you found this podcast useful and accessible.